0: Ms. Gray.
1: And this is rubbish and probably a podcast, a good omens commentary podcast, where I, someone who has seen this show too many times,
0: and I, someone who only knows this show, true crystal, discuss every single episode of Good Omens.
1: For today's episode, we are discussing the second half of season one, episode three, Hard Times. Hard times! So last week we discussed the well, first four days ago or of, whatever,
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess so. We discussed um, the cold open, I guess is what you could call it, of <laughs> yeah. Season 1, Episode 3. Now we shall discuss the plot, the present day, one day to the
1: end of the world. I mean, we open with... Basically what happens is, like, we add the cold open for half an hour, we have the title sequence, and then time, like rushes forward, like, we get, like, very rapid shots of, like, everything that's happened up until the end of episode two, where Aziraphale goes, like, sorry, right number. I think that that sort of implies that, like, all of that flashback was to sort of explain actions upon meeting the, like, knowing the address of the Antichrist, right?
0: Yeah. Which, like... I guess so.
1: Like, that is sort of the way that it's being framed to me. And I don't know if I got the takeaways that explain what is it, why is Phil's doing what he's doing. Yeah. But, like, it's an interesting concept that yeah. all that was just to give context. Or maybe it's not even a bad explanation. Maybe it's, like... They have all this history, and and Aziraphale still won't tell Crowley that he knows where Adam is. Like, it could go many different ways, but it sure does feel like that sometimes. Before we, like, go back to the scene, there's, like, a shot of the outside of Aziraphale's bookshop where we can finally read clearly the sign in the window, Uh, and I would like to read that out loud. (laughs) Okay. It says, bookshop opening hours. I open the shop on most weekdays about 9.30 or perhaps 10 a.m. While occasionally I open the shop as early as 8. I've been known not to open until 1. Except on Tuesday, I tend to close about 5.50 p.m. or earlier if something needs tending to. However, I might occasionally keep the shop open until 8 or 9, at night. You never know when you might need some night reading. On days that I am not in, the shop will remain closed. On weekends, I will open the shop during normal hours, unless I am elsewhere. Bank Mondays will be treated in the usual fashion, with early closing on Wednesdays, or sometimes Fridays. For Sundays, see Tuesdays. (laughs) AZ Fell, bookseller. He does not want anyone to come in, ever. God bless.
0: Literally, the thing about the 9 to 5 opening hours is that it's so anti-working class, but you know what? AZ Fell, purveyor of books for the gentry, is (laughs) anti-everyone.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) So it's okay. He's anti-working class, or any class whatsoever.
1: Inside the shop, he's like trying to figure out why isn't any of this scene in the podcast guide by the way
0: i'm so sorry i thought it was short so i deleted
1: it everything matters to me so much also this is important like this is like all we get of his mindset before the bandstand basically right like we need to analyze this shit we get a lot from the
0: heaven scene
1: yes sure fine whatever (laughs) Okay, so he knows where the Antichrist is now, right? And he decides that he should probably tell Heaven. Now, in the book, we get a passage before this where it goes, Mm -hmm. he ought to tell Crowley. No, he didn't. He wanted to tell Crowley. He ought to tell Heaven. He was an angel after all. You had to do the right thing. It was built in. You see a while, you thwart. Crowley had put his finger on it right enough. He ought to have told heaven right from the start. And then following that, it says, But he'd known him for thousands of years. They got along. They nearly nearly understood one another. What a line! He sometimes suspected they had far more in common with one another than with their respective superiors. They both liked the world for one thing, rather than viewing it simply as the board on which the cosmic game of chess was being played. Well, of course, that was it. That was the answer, staring him in the face. It be true to the spirit of his pact with Crowley, if he tipped heaven the wink, and then they could quietly do something about the child. Although nothing too bad, of course, because we were all God's creatures when you got down to it even people like Crowley and the Antichrist, and the world be saved, and there wouldn't have to be all that Armageddon business, which would do nobody any good anyway, because everyone knew heaven would win in the end, and Crowley would be bound to understand. Yes, and then everything would be all right. God, he's such a silly, goofy guy. But, like, I wish that we got more of this Yeah. in the episode. Like, the idea that, like... He, like, that telling Heaven is true to the spirit of, like, his pact with Crowley is such an interesting, like, way for him to have spun it. Like, because it's like, okay, I believe Heaven's gonna stop it. I can't tell Crowley because technically he's the enemy, but, like, this is doing, like, what Crowley would have done. This is, like, doing the right thing to prevent the world from being ended it reminds me so much of
0: what you said, I think, in episode one, where Zerefel does things and then like justifies those actions to mm-hmm. himself to mm-hmm. come to the conclusion that they're good. And this one has that vibe, yeah, of like him being like, "Oh, but surely it's the right thing to do," uh, and it's like, "Oh, you
1: little guy." Yeah. Though I mean, I think he he does believe it. Like he's good at deluding of course, himself. And yeah. also I feel like if he like, especially in the book, he doesn't have as much contact with Heaven, so he doesn't really know how much they suck as much as show as Eraphil does. So like I don't think that his conclusion is that unreasonable. Like he absolutely should have told Crowley, but like I I get why he did what he did in the book. Why he did what he did in the show Less so. Does the bandstand scene happen in the book? No. Ooh. Then all the- What's all this then? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What is all this then? (sighs) I mean, yeah, didn't- Neil Gaiman just said his fucking thing about how, like, when he was writing, he was adapting it for TV, he just found that structuring it like a love story- helps, like, fill it out better and make more sense. God, literally, like, finally giving in to, like, 30 years of your fans saying that this is the love story of all time just because you were like, well, it made it easier to write. Of course it would make it easier to write because they are in love and you were stopping that from coming out on the page. I mean, he also sort of character slanders both of them in the process of making them in love. But, you know, as I stated in our previous episode... I'm, I'm taking a new, mature approach where I just view them as completely separate characters. So, Aziraphale's, like, practicing how he's gonna tell Heaven about all this. I mean, he's just being a silly, goofy guy, honestly. In his practice, he tells them where Adam is, and he says, I have his address, so we just have to eliminate him now. And he does, like, little, like, punches... on Eliminate to demonstrate. (laughs) And then he goes, then everything could still be okay. Which I also really like as, he like, just a a character moment of, like, he views the world in its current state as, like, good and fine, which, like, in Good verse it kind of is. And then, like, the point is, like, to return to the status quo. And, like, everything can still be okay as, like, Such a shaky place to be as well. But, like, it's, like, what he knows. Like, he can't even imagine, like, a better world than this one. Um, He mentions the hellhound, which is where the scene cuts to the hound itself. And what God narrator says is that the hellhound, like, is experiencing different things than he thought he would during the last days. And God says, form shapes nature. There are certain ways of behavior appropriate to small dogs, which are in fact welded into the genes. And then she goes on to talk about, like, him trying to scare the cat and it not working. And I think this idea of form shapes nature is very interesting to me when you apply it to. To Adam. Xerophil and Crowley. And, oh, oh, to Adam too, sure. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that guy's also there. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I remember I remember when Crystal was fucking making the cover photo for episode 2 and they were like I guess there's other characters in Good Omens as well <laughs> that's literally what's happening right yeah, now yeah I think
1: I specifically was like I just made it a stupid boring picture of the, them walking out of the ice cream shop cause I feel like sometimes we have to acknowledge that there's other people there too <laughs> and there are And in the books, I would say that I like more of the characters in a more even way, but in the show, they just clearly have made it the Crowley and Aziraphale show.
0: I've heard somebody say uh, in the Good Omen's books, Crowley and Aziraphale are just part of the story, as opposed to the TV show where they are the story.
1: Okay, fine. Yeah, we can talk about it in terms of Adam. It is interesting. Like, you know, he's in the body of a young boy. Like, even the
0: evils that he does are yeah. based on... Young
1: boy evils yeah. right now. Yeah. But actually, what I'm talking about is you're feeling <laughs> Um, I mean, they're in human bodies. They've been in human bodies for 6,000 years. They've had the same ones the whole time because they've never been discorporated before. And, like... Is that true? I feel like... M- I think it's- They say that explicitly. Definitely heavily imply. I think- I think there's a- Okay, at least I think it's heavily implied that Xerophil's never been discorporated before. In mm-hmm. a later scene. Um, but- Right, and, like, they're, like, the only angel and demon that I feel like have been stationed on Earth for this long, and have been in their bodies for this long. I wonder if that has shaped nature, because, like- There are a lot of times when they're in situations where, like, they could have miracled themselves out, but, like, they don't. And, like, whenever, like, someone on fucking Tumblr asks fucking Neil Gaiman on fucking Tumblr about it, he always says something like, oh, well, they've just been on Earth for so long that they, like, sometimes forget that they can't, that they can do things in, like, not the human way. Which I think is sweet. And. Wow. A
0: rare Neil Gaiman W.
1: I mean, I think he is just covering up his plot holes with like <laughs> things that he knows the tumblerinas will go crazy for, and you know what? It's working. Yeah, I, it's like that's about habits, but I also wonder if their bodies also shape what they recall themselves as being capable of or are comfortable doing. So Adam walks by Jasmine Cottage and he overhears. Anathema, being just really upset about having lost the book, like, she is picking up pots and smashing them against a bench, and, like, yelling, like, I can't believe it, 350 years my family kept it safe, 350 years, and she's crying, and, yeah, sorry, girl. Can Um, I say
0: something about Anathema's fashion sense? Yeah. And it's that we saw her as a child. Like, we saw her mm-hmm. mom. We saw their house. They didn't dress or, like, <laughs> live in the house of this aesthetic. Which yeah. means that she, like, chose this. She was like, well, I'm an occultist, as she puts it. She was like, uh-huh. well, I'm an occultist. I'm going to commit to the bits so hard. Yes. And she did. And I love it. I love she that. looks great. She does look great, like the especially like the dress and the boots uh, combo later on when she's on the street. It's really wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah. All of her clothes are like sort of like, like she's got like velvety like dresses or like blouses with skirts that like have a lot of ruffles and like, like puffed sleeves. Mm -hmm. And her hair is like always like down but like part of it's up in a bun like it's great she looks amazing at all times she has those beautiful big glasses yeah very nice good for her very nice adam comes over to check in on her because he's a nice boy she tells him what was up they have an exchange where he's like a charming young man in like title case in a way that like verged on annoying for me. Like his line about how like, oh, like I wrote a book and it was about a pirate who was a famous detective and there was part of it in a spaceship where a dinosaur comes out and fights with the cowboys. Like I, like it's too much, Neil Gaiman. It's too much. Like you can't just cram every single like boy activity you can think of into like (laughs) two sentences to be like here is a child isn't it funny that he's a child look cowboys and detectives and dinosaurs like i when i was when i was 11 i i kept my writings a lot more thematically tight than that (laughs) whatever adam can do whatever he wants they introduce themselves to each other properly. She's, you know, upset about how some men in a car came and stole her book, but didn't actually mean to steal her book. And Adam says, when asked if he lives here, he says, This is my world, from Hogback Hodba- from Wood to the Dip, and from the Old Quarry up to the Pond. Which... Is, I think is, is nice. I feel like they do a good job balancing, like, Adam uncanny moments with, like, Adam normal guy moments. They, like, have a silly little misunderstanding about, like, oh, like, you're, like, in the yard of, like, the cottage owned by the witch. And she's like, no, I live here. And he's like, he says, what, like, look, excuse me for asking if it's not a personal question, but are you a witch? And she like goes like, no, I'm an incult, I'm an occultist. Yeah. They're both, they're both having a silly, funny time. When they go inside, dog is commanded by Adam to go inside, but there's a horseshoe over the door that's supposed to prevent like demons and shit from going in. And dog eventually acquiesces, which God says means that a little bit more of hell burns away in the hellhound. We are now in Shadwell's place,
0: and Newton is there. He's looking around and sees a bunch of witch torture devices, and also adultery first hat. Fun, I guess. He brings out a ledger of quote-unquote members of Shadwell's Witchfinder Army. At first, the names in the ledger are completely normal names, like... Commander Williams, or whatever, whatever. And as the mm-hmm. list goes on, it becomes more and more ridiculous. Like, Witchfinder Sergeant, milk bottle, or like table, or whatever. Because yeah. it's all fake and it's all fabricated. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: Shadwell just invented all this crap. So we go to Shadwell, where Shadwell actually is. And it's in a restaurant where Crowley is
1: meeting with him did you notice crowley's newspaper what's it say it's called the infernal times and the stories are like uptick in exorcisms in blah 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 city like he's reading like the demon
0: newspaper right in front of a witch hunter i love that exactly Love that. I wrote in my notes, we realize that Shadwell thinks Crowley is the son of the Crowley he met in the 60s. But I think many people have realized that before. But yeah, Crowley sends Shadwell to find Adam in Tadfield. And, you know, his details are quite limited. He just says, there's a boy there who's about 11 and he's in Tadfield. Look for anything suspicious, Also, he pays this guy this guy two hundred fifty
1: pounds. Is that
0: a lot, or is that not a lot?
1: I mean, it it's not a lot. I think. Also, like, I don't think later Shadwell refers to it as annual dues, which like so. No, I think that one is different.
0: That one is for this one is for a job, and I think Aziraphale is just sponsoring this guy for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Okay, why is that? Because, like, we don't see how,
1: right, how Azuraphil Ch- meets well.
0: Chattel. So, uh-huh. could it be that the angels are supporting witch
1: hunters? Like, even way back? I think that back? there is a passage in the book about it, but I don't remember.
0: Is Heaven pro hunting witches down? Is that the implication? Or did. Aziraphale just hire this Uh Okay, or? here's the
1: passage in the book. Um, neither Aziraphale nor Crowley ran the Witchfinder army, but they both approved of it, or at least knew that it would be approved of by their superiors. Um, huh. So it appeared on the list of Aziraphale's agencies because it was, well, a Witchfinder army, and you had to support anyone calling themselves Witchfinders in the same way that the USA had to support anyone calling themselves anti-communist. <laughs> That's, That's the oof. line of the book.
0: <laughs> yeah. Shadwell is so annoying. Do you like him? I don't like him. No, no one I likes n- him. I
1: know we're not supposed to like him, but like We're supposed to find his behavioral behavior acceptable and just like of a funny old man who doesn't know better, I think, is sort of the vibe. But like I yeah. like I'm annoyed. Like I don't find it admissible. <laughs> or whatever.
0: Yeah. No, it's just you asked me if you think Shadow and Crowley fucked and I was like well, It's an s- odd thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he calls he calls Aziraphale fancy, so
1: maybe not. He sure right? does. So yeah, probably not. I think this is only because I saw a fic of it once and I was like, "Huh?" What an interesting take. I wonder if anyone else will read that vibe in. Well,
0: I well, don't. So. No.
1: I think there's tension in their conversation in Soho, but mm. I don't think that it is at all sexual, but I think it could be construed as such because all tension is made of the same material. I mean,
0: we'll get in. No, we, we already got into it the
1: last episode, but um,
0: that scene is so, like, the way Shadow is, like, raising his hand and being like oh a while ago you must have noticed that i did this and it's like okay (laughs) you know what i mean even then he was unbearable
1: yeah i appreciate this scene because it's like crowley's not giving up hope sort of shit he says that he'll drop the money off for him on saturday it's hard for me i can't tell if it's like it feels like a Because I believe that we'll still be here on Saturday sort of thing. It doesn't feel like a, oh, it doesn't matter. I can just promise you that because it won't be here. Or what do you think?
0: I think it's the second one.
1: Okay. Yeah. Money doesn't mean anything to Crowley, though.
0: Money, yeah. The first miracle we see on screen is in the history of their life. Oh. Yeah, in 1601.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We cut back to Anathema and Adam, and she's telling him about, like, her family history with occultism and shit. How the camera work on Anathema right now is quite odd. Like, I feel like, of all the characters, she's the one that they, like, have looked directly into the camera, like, framed very intensely a lot more often than the others, I don't know, it's to give some kind of effect. I think the whatever effect works.
0: Well, she they're trying to make her like look intense. So, it yeah. works,
1: I guess. Yeah, it works, I guess. She talks about ley lines, she talks about auras and then mm-hmm. says so that she can see them for everyone, but for some reason she just can't see Adams. Atoms, Yeah. But it's, it's this doesn't really arouse her suspicion that much cuz well you know suspicion slides off him like water off a duck and then she starts getting into she says that school is an oppressive tool of the state real real <laughs> and then, um, then she <laughs> s- she starts talking about like just like environmentalism stuff that like is sort like sort of is on the border or i don't even know exactly She's yeah, okay, like, like, they're, they're just from, some... like,
0: thing that is happening and this real and thing that's a little yeah. bit... Girl, what are you talking about? You know?
1: Yeah. Right, like, they're clubbing baby seals, they're cutting down the rainforest so you can get a cheap hamburger, blah, 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 global warming, nuclear power, etc. And it's like, yeah, some of these things are real issues, and it's kind of weird that they're being lumped in with the other things, but, oh, well... I mean, I feel like all her talking points are things that I've seen in organizations that exist. So, like, they're, like... I don't think her opinions are, like, fringe opinions, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, that is, that is what is up. Adam agrees with her that nuclear power stations suck, but he thinks that that's the case because there was nothing bubbling or green smoke and no one was wearing a space suit. And Anathema's like, yeah, we need to get rid of all of them. And Adam's like, mm-hmm, for not bubbling. And then she sends him off, and she gives him, like, she says, if you're interested in any of this stuff, I have some old magazines here. And she hands him a bunch of, like, a bunch of, old. like, copies of old, 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 old copies <laughs> yeah. of the new Aquarian, this magazine. And, like, you see some glimpses of the headlines, and they're not related to this stuff. It's, like, Atlantis discovered, like, Kraken in the ocean. And then, like, you know, my personal favorite, secret Tibetan masters, the facts from fiction. Which is, like, okay, so we're just doing Orientalist conspiracy theories here. And that's gonna be, like, the same thing as global warming? <laughs> or, I mean, it it's not, like, okay. The writer having all these things together isn't necessarily equating them. It's just, like, for anathema, there's, like, a bit of a slippery slope from, like, real problems into, like, conspiracy theory shit or whatever. But, like, yeah. I still, I still, like, upon all my readings and my rewatches, I'm still just sort of confused about what they're going for here. And maybe they're not going for anything. Maybe they were just like, this would be fun. Yeah, Like, sure. Maybe it would be fun. (laughs) I mean,
0: I have said that I'm mm. kind of aware that Anathema and Newton will get together. I don't know how they would get together, like to what degree. But Mm. damn, would they be an odd, odd couple? Mm. (laughs) Like,
1: guy who joins a
0: Witchfinder army. Uh, yep. who, like, promises to make you feel like a man or whatever, uh-huh. and girl who d- reads all of this shit, like, okay.
1: I don't know. This is, like, a small thing or whatever, but, like, like Anathema's race isn't specified in the book. In the show, mm-hmm. I think, because of the race-blind casting, like, she's Latina, and, like, that doesn't change anything about her writing, which is, like, how it goes. With race-blind casting, like, you don't change your writing based off of, like, the character's new ethnicity. But it would be nice if that was taken into account at all with, like, her witchcraft and her beliefs. But, eh, whatever. I do not expect such things from Neil Gaiman.
0: So, we are now in heaven. And Azurphal is trying to tell the angels about... Well, all of it. But he's having a hard time conveying uh, this situation. Because every time he says anything, it's, it's with an air of, well, it's not impossible. Or like, oh, it might have. Or it is a possibility. Like, he is hedging all of his fucking bets. And yeah, he tells them like, oh, you know. I think, maybe, hell has lost the boy. And, like, they don't believe him. But he is like, oh, it's it's possible that the demon Crowley, and then he laughs nervously and, it's like, mm-hmm. and is like, oh, um, his wily adversary keeps me on my toes, <laughs> I tell you. And, like,
1: like what is Literally, friendship is too revealing because this is how he fucking talks about her.
0: And he's like, you know, I think the the fact that um, the ambassador's son is um, Hellspawn, maybe a ruse. And that the Antichrist might be. And then he pauses a bit. You can see the gears turn in his head. And instead of saying Tadfield, he says, somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Like, where is, like, demanded of him. And he, like... He, like, commits, he's like, I, like, he decides not to tell them, he says that he doesn't know, which I think is, at what point do you think he decided that he didn't trust Heaven enough to actually say what he was rehearsing in the bookstore?
0: I was gonna say, it's after he said that, like, Hell has lost the boy, and they, like, keep questioning him and being like, no, 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 that's not true. But, like, even before that, he was already very hesitant and already... yeah. Acting like maybe he shouldn't say all these things, you know. So, like, did he just get up there and immediately was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" But like, it's too late. He has to talk to them.
1: I don't. I don't think he was like. Do I don't want think? to tell them every anything at all. I think he like was like, "Okay, I'll tell them, and they'll like kill the boy or do something, and then we'll be fine." And then like. He sort of gets up there and he's like, oh, I don't trust these people. But, like, I still need to see, like, how I can save the world because I don't want it to end. So, like, I'm just gonna, like, do all this bets hedging and, like, hypothetical stuff because I want to, like, weigh my options. Like, what would heaven do if I told them? And then I can go back and think about whether or not I should tell them.
0: Eventually, the angels say that, like, it doesn't matter whether um, the Antichrist is somewhere else or not, or someone else or not. There was a war before there was Earth, and there will be war again. Um, You know, the angels walk out, leaves a there. And as they walk towards the endless lobbies of heaven, Gabriel stops the other angels and goes, mm. like, what, what's, what do you guys think of that? And, you know, all of them are like, we don't trust that guy. And one of them yeah. actually says that Aziraphale is an angel that has been down there too long. I mean, we've seen
1: Crowley talk to Hell, right? Yeah. And, and like, basically exact same wording and yeah. tone of, like, I don't trust him. But,
0: like, with I guess with the demons it was easier to to, like, oh, yeah, that's just how it is. Like, it's easier to think that because in your head, you're like, oh, they're demons. Well, of course they don't trust each other. But, like, this kind of distaste and distrust for Azuraphale feels Mm -hmm. a lot more poignant and, like, oh, there must be something up, like, that kind of feeling. Because then it isn't just, like, oh, angels are just like this. It's, like, He's being treated differently.
1: So, I don't. I guess another... Like, again, like, back to, like, trying to make the bandstand, like, scene fit. I guess another way to read this is, like, Crowley got Aziraphale to help because she was like, well, like, they can't actually be mad at you if you're, like, thwarting me. Like, how do you know that thwarting me isn't part of the divine plan as well? And, like, every time Azir feels reported up there in the past, like, it's definitely been heavily implied that they still want the war to go on and that, like, mm-hmm. they're happy about they're just, it. yeah. But, like, I feel like he never, like, they never explicitly say that, but, like, here, like, he finally, like, does it. He finally asks, like, well, there doesn't have to be another war, does there? And they say, like, Yes, we want another war, no matter what. And like the way that I read it, like all the first times I watch it is like, well, this is like about Xerophel's trust in heaven being broken, etc., etc. But like if I'm trying to if I'm trying to fit fucking bandstand scene into here, like maybe this is like his trust that what he was doing was part of the plan in the first place. Like that's the part oh, that gets broken. yeah. Yeah. Like, he's like, okay, oh, that I've been sense. doing the wrong thing this entire time. Like, I can't yeah. keep doing this.
0: It's not part of the plan anymore, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And I
1: feel like that's the best way that I can understand
0: his actions. Yeah. I find it so fascinating also that the way heaven dictates what needs to be done, it never is like, you can't do this. Ezrafil is not denied anything. He's not denied food. He's not denied um, pleasures of the flesh or the whatever. Like he's not like nothing is off limits he's for him. Denying and, like you himself, said, like the
1: pleasures of the flesh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, like even when you said right, like when he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm doing all I can to stop the apocalypse." They were like, "Well, okay, it's fine, I guess." You know, like he's allowed to do anything. It's just that there's one thing (laughs) that he's not allowed or, like, he has convinced himself that he's not allowed. That's the crux of it.
1: I think, yeah, I feel like for the stopping the apocalypse stuff, it was just like the angels all believe in the divine plan so much and, like, also don't believe in Aziraphale at all, so it's just like Oh, I mean, like, he can do whatever he wants, because, like, it doesn't really hurt us in any way. Yeah. But I feel like at this point, they start being a little more wary.
0: Damn, do they really think Aziraphale is so incompetent It's unreal? I mean, they better do, because he is.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> he literally is. He's though, not that thing. bad. <laughs> that incompetent oh. but yeah okay for yeah <laughs> yeah maybe he is maybe he but is. so is crowley and that's what's important we go back to anathema and she's in town she's seeing everyone's auras and it gives me a headache to see through her eyes so she must have a headache all the time maybe that's why she has such an intense gaze um, oh by the way yeah um did you mention that like the reason Oh, why... the fucking- Sorry, I totally forgot the fucking zoom out. Okay, I forgot. At the end of the Anathema and Adam scene- I actually quite like this scene. I don't know why I forgot it. Uh god narrator is like- Like, Anathema didn't really, like, consider the- Sorry, let me find the actual line. Okay, it might have helped Anathema to understand what was going on. If she understood the very simple reason why she couldn't see Adam's aura- and then it starts, like, zooming out from Adam really, really fast until we get to, like, the entire globe. And she says, it's for the same reason that people in Times Square can't see America. And we see that his aura is, like, a giant, like, red, like, glow that covers, like, at least all of the UK. And then, like, yeah. a good amount a of, bit like... more, Yeah. Yeah, Europe and the ocean around. And I thought that was neat. That was neat. That was neat. Good job. You did a visual and it was cool. And it was cool to go to heaven right after because it does feel like the we're zooming out of Earth and now let's go even up higher.
0: Yeah, I, I did find fascinating. When I first watched this, I didn't really catch the visual. I don't know why. Maybe I wasn't looking. The panning out and the aura being as big as an entire country, like, it didn't sink into me that that was what's happening. So I just didn't know what the fuck, like, Times Square America thing was about. Like, what was yeah. that about?
1: And I'm like, ah, because, like, America's so big, whatever. Yeah. I recall also not understanding it the first time I watched it and having to, like, (laughs) go on fucking Reddit and read someone's response about it. So I think this is a pretty common phenomenon because I feel like the aura is, like, I feel like it's hard to, like, see the visual they presented and be like, oh, that specifically is Adam's aura. Because it sort of just looks like a regular glow that you might just put as a effect to be pretty on the earth or something anathema runs into rp tyler who is played by no idea fleabag's dad
0: man who give a shit about a fleabag's dad get claire in here or get no one
1: fair i just think every i think i get excited whenever i see any fleabag actor anywhere Like, the the rat tooth guy is in the After Party season one, and that was exciting to see. He's Neighborhood Watch, and he's very suspicious, very grumpy. He thinks that Anathema is casing the joint for what? Who even knows? And he very much doesn't like that she is American. She asks him to help her find the Antichrist. She goes, like, 11 years ago, something came to this village, some sort of beast or creature and if your neighborhood watch maybe you noticed and she does this thing where she like smiles and like taps him on the chest at the end of that which is like is she like trying i mean it's like a flattery thing but it also just looks like flirting or something weird that like she's trying on him to get him to answer the question like i found it quite jarring Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. I feel like I've always read Anathema as an aromantic lesbian. And, like, this this move really helps solidify that for me. Like, she's like, yeah. I have to ask this man a question. Um, Well, from all my YouTube tutorials that I watch about persuasion and flirting and things like that, I think I should do this. Like, her mannerisms are, like, a bit unsettling or, like, just... Off during this interaction, and I, I think it's because she's an aromantic lesbian to me. And he thinks that she's high, so he he has a funny little line where he's like, Tadfield is a perfectly respectable village. If you're coming here to smoke your fatty spliffers and bimble off to woo-woo land, then I suggest that you go elsewhere. Like, back to America. Anathema's not even American in the book. Was it really? Yeah. What is she? I think she's just, like,
0: British. But, like, she did move to the village. Yeah, but,
1: like, from, like, elsewhere in the UK. Ah, okay. So,
0: we go to, back to Shadwell's place, and Newton is still there looking over the paper, cutting out pieces of strange occurrences and whatnot, and the phone in the hall rings, and Madam Tracy is the one who answers it, and it is a zero fail, and he's looking for Shadwell. He calls himself Shadwell's sponsor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which you know we've talked about a while ago, and he asks Shadwell to poke around Tadfield, and you know Shadow's like, okay, Ziraphil starts talking to Shadwell about um the deceased major milk bottle. milk bottle, and i I don't like this in that like he's not stupid. don't do that to him. Wow well, what do you think this I is mean, in they, they, they likes,
1: like i mean for for the show character. Where he fell for the, the 1941 stuff, and he's explicitly called gullible. I feel like Neil is just continuing a thing that he decided. He sends over the name
0: and address, and they hang up, and Shadow just goes, "Oh, Great Southern Pansy.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I guess a few things. The yeah? fact that Xerophil like, he went to heaven and they were like, You're going against the plan. And that he still did this is, like, pretty cool of him. Like, I think it's just his thing where it's, like, his actions are based off of his feelings, but his words are based off of his thoughts, which are all, like, heaven poisoned and stuff.
0: hmm
1: He hasn't given up on doing this at all. Like, he's still sending Shadow there. Also, he's sending Shadow there just to monitor Adam. Like, this is, like, a... yeah. I guess this is, like, an information gathering step for him still. He's like, I haven't given Mm -hmm. up yet, but, like, I still won't really act. But, you know, good for him for not giving up yet. Second, we also got some more Chadwell and Madam Tracy interactions before he gets on the Mm -hmm. phone. And it just continues to be annoying. Like, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like the dynamic. It's just, like... Like we learn now that like she like cooks all his meals for him and like brings yeah. them over to his apartment and he eats them and like he's still just going on like doing nothing but like being like incredibly horophobic to her at all times. I just I don't like the idea that this character I just don't like Shadwell as a as a as a concept as like the old man who's like old-fashioned and like cranky Mm -hmm. but like you know everyone around him still tolerates it and thinks it's okay because he's just silly or whatever i'm annoyed about it in the book like they take this out but like it's like he has his landlords um are i think bangladeshi and like he's Mm -hmm. like racist towards them and stuff like that and then there's a passage about how like you know despite all of this people just can't help but like shadwell and it's like no that's not true no i don't like him no one likes him stop trying to portray him as likable it's annoying i'm annoyed sorry madam tracy Okay, and I guess third thing, this is the first time Aziraphale gets homophobia in the show, right? We've talked Mm -hmm. about his first book, Homophobia, but, you know, just to note that maybe if Neil wanted to clarify that they can never be gay because they're not men and apparently you have to be a man to be gay... He should have taken out all the times that he experiences homophobia that is specific to, like, being a gay guy or just a gay person who masculining. Perhaps that would help your case, Neil Gaiman.
0: Neil really said, like, everybody in the world sees him as gay, and he may as well be, but he isn't.
1: Like, girl, come on. It's very important to me that Aziraphale- like, Aziraphale chooses how he looks, he chooses his presentation, and he chooses his voice, because, like, these are all things that are not, like, really part of heaven. Like, he decided them, and, like, he decided that, like, he was going to present as, like, the gayest guy ever. So, like- Yeah. He is gay! Like, that's how he self-identifies!
0: And I don't like, think he's stupid that he doesn't realize how the world sees him.
1: Yeah, he absolutely knows. So, yeah. what's up? Anyway, um, we Shadwell goes
0: into his flat and, you know, Newton tells him that, like, oh, I have some interesting findings. There's a town in Oxfordshire that always has picture-perfect weather for the last 11 years and for Mm -hmm. some reason shadow was like i don't give a shit god this guy's not only horrible he's also stupid
1: but (laughs) it's true um, he managed to scam azir phil and crowley for um 1967 2016 um i don't know math 49 49 years hell yeah hell yeah Now, Newton
0: is, you know, trying to get Chadwell to agree, but Chadwell is saying, like, find some real witch phenomenons, boy.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I'm interested in the fact that it's been happening for the last 11 years, because the idea about, like, Tadfield and the ways that Adam has changed it is that sort of it's, like, his unconscious desires coming out and shaping reality... Like, are you telling me that, like, as a, as a, as an infant, he was like, I really want it to snow on Christmas Eve. Yeah. (laughs) How would he know what Christmas is? Yeah. But yeah, but I also do like the concept, like, just the ways that, like, you as a young boy who, like, reads stories and, like, has an idealized view of the world would, like, create the weather. Like, that's neat. Some neat detail. We cut to a new scene in Des Moines where we are meeting famine. So I guess this is like the point where two two main thoughts about this part. Uh one part positive is that our criticism of war the last episode was sort of around like you wrote like a funny book. And then, like, you were like, for this war section, I will just do actual war in, like, an area that the West generally views as war-torn and, like, removed from itself. And I'm just gonna do that and be, like, sort of racist about it. Um, And we both were like, if you're gonna do the horsemen, get a little jiggy with it. And I think that... Famine being portrayed as, like, a restaurant owner who, like, manufactures, like, food that, or, like, diet food or things like that that, like, leave people hungry is indeed getting jiggy with it. So I do appreciate that. I think on the negative end, there is just general discomfort around probably, like, any possible casting for any of the horsemen ever just because these characters are representative of a concept more than they are people like I feel like every other character on the show like I sort of get a personality from them I feel like war and famine so far have just been like they are just representative of the concept that they are Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that casting famine as a black man can just automatically feel iffy because of the whole, like, there are children starving in Africa, like, thing that I feel like I grew up hearing. I feel like a lot of people in the West grew up hearing. Well,
0: the thing is, Mm -hmm. you know, this famine is so far removed from... That. Right, I agree so, with like, that. I don't, yeah, I don't r- particularly see it in that way. I think like the casting is good in that. Um, I like the way it's acted. Like, I think this yeah. guy does a good job of being like a of being like a sophisticated yet smarmy business guy mm-hmm. who is making this Agreed. diet food that he thinks is. Is so great, even though it's so bad.
1: Agreed. Yeah. He's a fun time. So, and I guess just at this, I just want to, like, briefly mention, like, three moments. Like, now that we're talking about race play and casting, I want to briefly mention three moments that race is specified in the casting in the script book for this episode. Um, first one, with the angels, it's specified that they're meant to be of... Multiple races and multiple genders to, like, give more of that, like, universal, they could be anyone, blah, blah, vibe. Which I think is, like, good and I think is, like, not achieved that well, given that, like, it's just, like, white people and then Uriel. Well, the two Mm -hmm. angels we
0: see the most of at this point is, well, Sandolphin and Gabriel, aside from you know, obviously, Aziraphale, yeah. um, like all three of them are <laughs> white. So like white men. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know how well that was achieved, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate that it was something that was thought about. Um, the second time that race is mentioned in the script books, like for this episode, is for Rome. In the flashback sequence. Specifically, he specifies that the bartender is to be female and black comma with attitude. That one I feel a lot less positively about. Yeah. It feels very much just like, let's get a sassy black woman in here. And I can see why part of it would be about like showing that there were people of color in ancient Rome, which is a very like whitewashed part of history that like white supremacists are really into, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like, why with attitude? Something to ask. Um, and then the third one, I'm not really sure if there's a purpose to it or like what the deal is there, but um, Neil specifies that Spike. Who is the man that Crowley is talking to about the Soho Heist before Shadwell shows up? Is supposed to be black and also like wearing fancy clothes. I briefly tried to see if this was like a reference to an actual historical figure or something. Um, and the words dangerous spike, which is what he is called in the script, um, they don't really show me anything on Google, but. It's possible that it's a reference that I'm missing. If anyone knows, let me know. Back to Famine. The deal here is, you know, he's Famine. He's called Dr. Raven Sable. We first meet him with his assistant in a fancy restaurant where, like, there's no food. It's just, like, froth and lavender-scented air and all that. He sort of says, like excitedly to his existence like I've never seen a room full of rich people so hungry before. It's fun. He is a fun character. Um and then we meet uh his restaurant chain, which is like some I think it's like Burger Lord is what it's called in the book, but um they serve chow, which is not food, it's an edible substance that is completely artificial and designed so that your digestive enzymes ignore everything that is in them while it continues to taste like food. I don't there's not too much to say. Like cool concept. I think that in the book they tie it a little bit closer to diet culture than they do in the show, but like I'm fine with this scene. Yeah. Like the only tight diet- in
0: here is really the towards the end when like, he goes, it's good for people who are trying to lose weight or all their other organ um, system usage. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's pretty funny. Like, can yeah. cause weight loss and kidney failure. So fucking true. Sure
1: can. Oh, also there's like a bit where Elvis is working in the diner and singing along to Hound Dog. I don't understand
0: that. Like, I understand that, like, El- that's Elvis. Like, that, that's pretty much the the mm-hmm. capacity at which I understand it. What's What's the bit I about? I think it's...
1: The bit... I think it's supposed to be a reference to the book, because in the book it talks about the magazine that War is a journalist for, and there's, like, a line that was like, oh, it, like, published, like, random bullshit all the time. Like, it said that something happened with, like, Jesus and something happened with whatever and that Elvis was working as a fry cook in Des Moines and only one of those was true. Like, uh, I think it's just a Easter egg for book people. Book, yes. Maybe it's, like, an actual Elvis conspiracy that exists, but I don't know. I don't know what people think about that guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, the delivery person, he shows up. And he hands Dr. Sable a package, and it is a tiny little set of measuring scales. And Famine's very, like, entranced by the whole thing. And he tells his assistant to cancel all of his appointments for the foreseeable future.
0: Me after watching season one episode, three, (laughs) You did do that. I did do that. You guys will not believe the amount of moving around I did in my calendar to accommodate thinking about Good Omen's (laughs) (laughs) time. It was crazy.
1: Well, uh,
0: so, we're on back to Shadwell's place, and Newton is there, and he has done even more research or whatnot, and he is still trying to convince Shadwell that the weather thing is irrelevant and important. And he's like, maybe I should go to Tadfield. Like, I'll check it out. Just a quick nip. And like, I'll even get my own petrol. And like, the moment he said that, and I I was like, well, of course Shadwell's sending him. But like, is he gonna make the kid pay for his gas? (laughs) Don't do that, Shadwell. But knowing this guy, he probably did. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, Shadwell is like, it's the place you're talking about Tadfield? And when you was like, yeah, he tells, okay, you can go, but like, come by tomorrow at nine, so that you can get your armor of righteousness. Wonder what that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonder what that is. Wonder what it's that is. it's not even important. I don't even it's remember not. what it is. It's that unimportant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it is who knows i don't remember other characters in the show so curly calls a zero fail but in the script book there is a scene before that that doesn't get put in and i mean it's not very important but it matters to me and what happens is just is it so obvious that I'm just scrolling really fast trying to find it right now while I'm talking? <laughs> uh, where is it? It's a brief, no dialogue scene in Crowley's bedroom and it's a montage of him trying to fall asleep and he's like lying on the bed and then the wall and then the ceiling Aww. and then <sighs> I know! Yeah. And then it's yeah, and then, like, it's them, like, putting on their glasses, like, while hanging off of the ceiling, and then, like, pacing throughout the flat and watering their plants, and then she calls Aziraphale, which I I would have liked to see it. It would have been nice. That yeah. was cute, and it's also a way of showing the stress that both of them are under Because I feel like it's important to remember how stressed they are, like, when you're analyzing the bandstand scene. But oftentimes I forget how stressed they are and how the world is literally going to end because they're, like, too busy being, like, silly and funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. Last
0: episode, I said that, oh, the shouting at the plant scene, blah, blah, blah. Now, Mm -hmm. I do think that, like, no, yeah, he's... She's having a rough time. Like, give her yeah. a break.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> having a rough Damn. go of it. Literally, she's having a rough time. Give
0: her a break.
1: Um, they call a zero fail. It's like a zero fail POV of getting the call. Yeah. Which, I guess maybe, maybe that's where Chloe's scene was removed. Yeah. Because it's like, this is our zero fail episode. They tell him to meet them at the third alternative rendezvous. Um... And apparently their third alternative rendezvous, like their rendezvous, include the old bandstand, the number 19 bus, which I think is where they met after their Heaven and Hell meetings in episode one, and the British Museum Cafe, which we haven't seen. And Curly's like, oh, I'm trying to be, like, secretive here. Like, okay, it's the bandstand. I'll be there in 15. And you know what? She sure will be there in 15 so we get like this crane shot of mm-hmm. like Aziraphale walking to the bandstand and Crowley's already there yeah and Crowley's already there which is sort of a reverse of a lot of the flashbacks where Aziraphale's already there and then Crowley shows up I do wonder if the, any of the crane shots are supposed to indicate god watching or if it's just to look cool
0: I think maybe if they really wanted to indicate that God was watching, they would have thrown a narration line or other. That's
1: true. I mean, there'd be no lines to narrate given that none of this shit is in the book, though. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Is it implied that it happens in some way
0: in the book? Like, does the rest of the no. story add up?
1: Like, no, not really. No. I don't think this happened in the book. I don't think this would happen in the book. They're different people, yeah. Yeah, they're different people. He shows up, and Crowley asks about news, and Azir feels nervous, lying, etc. Because Crowley's like, Crowley's like, Oh yeah, so do you have the missing Antichrist name, address, and shoe size yet? And Azir feels like, shoe size? Why would I have a shoe size? You know, I'm so impressed with you,
0: Crystal, that you don't even Uh attempt to do any of the accents. No.
1: God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Crowley speaks in such a certain way.
1: Yeah. And I'm not gonna break my heart by proving to myself that I can't ever be him. Uh, Okay. But yeah, I will. I will never do a voice ever, ever, ever. And Crowley should call me, and I would treat her so much better than Aziraphale ever could. I would never ever fumble. He she they. Goth David Tennant. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so Crowley's like, like I was. I was joking. I also have nothing. And at Crowley saying that she's got nothing, Aziraphale says, "It's the great plan, Crowley." Which means, like, first off, Zerophil has the information. Yeah. He's choosing not to tell it. And now, he's telling Crowley, God wants you to not know shit. Yeah. What a rude thing
0: to do. The discussion we had about what Buck Zerophil was thinking was, um... I think it could be a flight here, but I doubt it. Especially later on in this scene where it's very evident that Crowley really, really, really wants to stop the apocalypse and doesn't seem to be beholden by any obligation to hell whatsoever anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I have no idea what Aziraphale is thinking.
1: I mean, I guess like... What he's, he means is just like, God doesn't want us to be able to stop it. And maybe yeah. we shouldn't. Yeah. But like, I also don't know but if why that's is what he, he, he means. That? I mean, I, I guess he just had a really bad meeting with his boss. I get it, but like, I also <laughs> don't. Uh, yeah. It's odd. It's very odd. But also, like, I guess I have to remember that this betrayal already happened last episode when he chose not to tell Crowley about the book and then lied to them on the phone already. Like, it's happened. Like, this is maybe just him sticking to his guns. But then I Mm -hmm. wonder why it happened last episode as well. Like, why didn't he? I mean, like... Was this even, like, like was, was this a fucking long con? Was it, like, I will work with you, but if I find anything that's, like, truly, truly important and confidential, I just won't tell you? Like, how long did he know that he didn't- that he wouldn't trust Crowley enough? Or that he couldn't trust Crowley enough? Because, like, I mean, I think when you go into panic mode, like, there are- like, mindsets you can revert to. And one of those is just, like, I don't know anything. Anything I do could fuck everything up forever, so I should just do what, like, I'm told by heaven. Yeah. So, like, okay. But, like, that's... He's also calling Shadwell and telling him to keep an eye on Adam. Like, what's up? I mean, it's fine to have contradictory statements and contradictory actions. Because, like, that is sort of what it's how like. one yeah. shows, like, your internal strife. And, like, yeah. maybe he doesn't, like, mean anything he's saying right now. Because, like, I think he doesn't mean some of it. But it's of just, I, I find it difficult to understand why. Because I'm not an Aziraphale understander. And I guess neither am I,
0: even though I hesitate to say... Um, the words love when referring to the feelings for <laughs> Curly for no fucking reason.
1: Do you feel comfortable saying that Crowley loves a xerophil? Yeah, I think so. He really does. Wow, know, okay. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, okay. So yeah, you truly are you can be a xerophil coded without understanding everything, I suppose.
0: <laughs> this well maybe.
1: Um, so Crowley sort of shouts toward the sky, like, for the record, great pustulant mangled bollock to the great blasted plan in a yeah. overhead shot that I think is kind of silly. <laughs> like, I think it's fine. She kind of just looks silly to me, but, like, maybe yeah. it's just about the futility of shouting at God when she don't give a shit. Sorry, when yeah. she degaff. The gap, yeah, <laughs> and then Azir goes, May you be forgiven. What is all this then? What is, what all, is this? all this then? I can understand intellectually that he still loves God and has a strong faith in her, but like, I don't think I've seen anything from him that implies that this is true.
0: <laughs> okay, do you think, like, after the conversation with Gabriel? Aziraphale just has lost hope. Cuz that could be a way to look at it. Like now okay. it's like he just understands that it's going to happen and yeah. This is all going to end with him and Crowley on opposite sides. So might yeah. as well not engage. Might as well not like hope for anything else. Might as well just tell Crowley like, "Well, I hope you be forgiven. You know? Like... Yeah. Because the thing is, like, maybe if I see how he acts next episode, I'll understand it more. Or, like, have confirmation or rebuttal over this. But I think that could be a way to look at it right now.
1: I suppose so. Especially because, okay, like, where it goes next is Crowley goes, I won't be forgiven. Not ever. That's part of a demon's job description unforgivable. That's what I am. And Zerophil goes... He goes, that's who what? And I love it so much. It's
0: completely yeah. irrelevant to anything. I love no, how people cute. say the W-H and then they pronounce the H, H in H-W, the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Same. And zero goes, you were an angel once. And Crowley goes, that was a long time ago. So, okay, so is that... Do you, like Okay, like, it's hopeless, we're gonna be fighting on a war on opposite sides, come back to heaven? Is that, <laughs> like, is that an interpretation? Like, come back uh. to heaven, we'll win, I'll keep you safe? Like, what, is that it? I don't
0: think it is, it's just an... Um,
1: I, I Actually, maybe... There is a fun part in the book where both of them ask the other one, hey, do you think your people would give me asylum? I was literally just about to ask you the same thing. Probably not. Okay, well, we're screwed. But, like, the the show versions would just, like, literally never do that, because they're worse. <laughs> I didn't yeah. say that. But... <laughs> <laughs> you are an angel. I just don't... I don't... Like that? Okay, what does that mean? Like, once you had faith in God and the great plan, and, like, you would just let things happen? Or, like,
0: no, once you were, like,
1: a good person, even though, like, she is a good person all the time, and it's, like, independent from her nature. I
0: don't know. It's, like, it's a response to, like, I won't be forgiven. It's what I am. So maybe it's, um who you are has changed you were an angel once it doesn't have to be this way always and like I mean you were an angel you were not supposed to rebel or whatever it is you did to fall but you did and you're a demon you're not supposed to be forgiven but maybe you will be
1: okay that's a nicer interpretation I'll let that happen okay Crowley's like, okay, like, we can find the boy. My agents can find him. Which, I, that's, like, I know that they aren't seeing the signs coming up every time they show up on screen that say one day before the end of the world. So, like, they probably think they have more time than they have. But I do think that this is, like, such a recklessly optimistic thing for Crowley to say. And, like. I don't know if- I don't think that they believe it here, necessarily. I think they're, like, sort of grasping at straws. But it is nice just to, like, just to see that both of them are still- Or at least Crowley is still trying. And is still trying because he called Shadwell, like, that both of them are still trying despite all of this. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Zerophel is like, okay, and then what? Like, if we find the boy, like, what- We eliminate him. Which is the same language that he used... When he was practicing for heaven. wherein he seemed a lot... More... Up for that... To happen. But I guess just... In the time being... He's just... I don't know... Thought about... What it's like to kill an 11 year old... And gone maybe not. I don't really know what the deal is... Necessarily. And then... Crowley goes... Well... Somebody does. I'm not personally up for killing kids. Which is incredibly funny of her to say, I think. But like very consistent with like everything where it's just like I don't want to be directly responsible, but I do need the world to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I spent so much of episode one being like, feels so nice for never suggesting that Crowley do it, but unfortunately, feels nice. He does do it. a, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. over, it's Crover, as the kids say. He goes, you're the demon, I'm the nice one. I don't have to kill children. If you kill him, then the world gets a reprieve and heaven does not have blood on its hands. What even goes on? I mean... Like... Heaven is going to
0: allow the world to burn. Obviously, blood in their hands is not
1: a concern. Yeah, he literally, like, just talked to Sandolphin who did Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. We just saw Noah's Ark. Yeah. I mean... I just, okay, I guess the idea is, like, I mean, Xerophil means, like, I don't want blood on my hands.
0: Yeah, pretty but much. But,
1: like, he's sort of hiding behind the company label, the I'm not consulted on policy decisions label, in order to, like, bring the focus off of him, I suppose, mm-hmm. is what's happening. And I, I understand that, I suppose, But, God, don't ask Crowley to do it. That's so mean. I know I literally have nothing to say to Crowley telling Aziraphale to do it. Like, I literally don't give a shit that Crowley did that. But Aziraphale, (laughs) how could you? That's so mean. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Aziraphale's not the one who likes children. No, but also because
0: when Crowley says it, it's like, Oh, maybe you should do it. But, like,
1: there's no real bite to it. Yeah. And feels like, you are broken to your core (laughs) due to falling from heaven. Go kill that child so I don't have to. I don't know. I guess panic just does things to you. It simply just does things to you. And then Crowley goes, like, oh, no blood on your hands. That's a bit holier than thou, isn't it? And as goes, I am a great deal holier than thou. That's the whole point. Which I mean, you know, that's just him continuing his thing. But like, boy, does it, boy, is it not fun to watch it happen? Crowley is funny again, thank God, by saying, "You should kill the boy yourself, holily, holily, holily." <laughs> oh, and I mean, you know. Both of them are like, okay, we're at an impasse. Fucking hate talking to you right now. This sucks. Crowley like gets like an insult in, which I feel like is not rare, but like does hurt a bit more here where they're just like this is ridiculous. You're ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm still talking to you. I mean, this is quite similar to their breakup in St. James's Park.
0: Yeah. I would say
1: but it's just, it feels so much bigger because we don't know that they'll come back from it, and it's also about something bigger, and it sure is an experience to watch. Crowley decides that she's leaving. What is Crowley's plan on leaving? Like, do you think they have one at all, or do you think they're just like, I just can't deal with this emotionally right now? I don't think they have a plan. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to these people. And then Aziraphale says, you can't leave Crowley. There isn't anywhere to go. What an insane thing to say. Also, the way that he says Crowley's name, like, I feel like, like, the syllable emphasis is a little different than it usually is. And it makes it sound a lot more defeated than it usually is. And that was a good line delivery. But it's like, I mean, like, clearly there's somewhere to go, like, not here. But it's like, in the end, like, it is all going to be burnt up. Is this a little bit Aziraphale asking him to stay? Like, what is he trying to achieve with this line?
0: That they die together in this rock? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Maybe so, like, yeah. I don't know. Just the idea that like this world is like. I mean, like the okay, like the the fact that it's about to end makes it small, and there's nowhere for you to be besides here with me, is definitely a thing that Aziraphil could say. And did he say it? Maybe. I think it's a continuation so. of the whole
0: like. Throughout all this, um Aziraphale has completely reverted to it's the plan, it's the plan, it's the plan, and it's like mm-hmm. there's nowhere else to go. It's like we will still have to it's like Yeah. We still we will still have to follow the plan because the plan is yeah, what it is. We still have and, to
1: play our roles.
0: Yeah, like no there there isn't anywhere to go it's less about like Location or whatever, and it's more about like, like fate. Like, escape. we are fated to do this, so let's just not fight yeah. it.
1: Yeah. This is so miserable. Okay. Yeah. And there is a script book direction that I don't think is really played out at all in the show, but I do just want to read it. After this line, it says, Crowley looks back. He looks at Aziraphale. Above them, a beautiful starry sky. And Crowley softens. And then that's when the let's run away together line is supposed to happen. Anyone? Anyone feeling crazy today? (laughs) Anyone feeling
0: really crazy today? It really is a big universe. And we can go off together.
1: He, that is what he says? And yeah. Aziraphale goes, go off together? Listen and, to like,
0: yourself? No, wait, wait, wait. The go off together, it was like, he's silent for a while and he goes, go off together? And the camera does or, zoom in that uh-huh. like, we all know, we've all seen this zoom, and it's like, Oh, they're in love. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Literally, like, that's what the Zoom is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating because, like, his face changes, too. You know, he's like, he's been very upset this entire time. But mm-hmm. there is, like, a moment of, like, hope a little bit mm-hmm. when he says this. Like, go off together. Like, he's realizing mm-hmm. that, like, that is an option. And... yeah. The next line is, it pans to Crowley, and Crowley is standing in this like position where he's opening his arms and being like, mm. "eh, eh," like that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it feels like, like he looks like, see, like there is a way out of this. Like mm. he looks so, he looks so happy with himself that he has figured out a way to game the system, and then. A zero fail Ghost, listen to yourself. Moments in yeah. a TV show, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if Crowley's happy with himself. I think he's just really desperate. But like this is I think okay, yeah, I think this is a moment of hope for Crowley too. Like, like everything's gonna be terrible forever, but like maybe we'll get this one way out that sucks ass and involves the entire destruction of the earth. But like, hey, at least we won't lose each other, maybe. But yeah, yeah. God, I love the sentence, listen to yourself. Because like, Aziraphale doesn't have a real reason to say no. That's like the sentence you say when it's like, I feel like this feels wrong and bad, but I don't know why it feels wrong and bad. But surely you must know that it is wrong and bad because of how I am currently feeling. Yeah. Like, man. And also it recontextualizes
0: it from like, Crowley wants the world to not end to Crowley wants to get out of here with me. Which are very different things. And yeah,
1: though, I would say that this is just a last resort thing and that Crowley still wants to save the world. But yeah, but the idea that, like, he can live on without the world, but he can't live on with <laughs> I don't even... that's too corny! It's I'm not really even gonna corny, say but that! It's I'm what gonna happens. Die. Like, This is really what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway! So... <laughs> honestly, they'd be yeah. fucking miserable in space together. Thank god they don't end up in space together. Literally, there won't be any crepes there, and you know, Azirufel's gonna get techish. Yeah. And touchy even. And touchy even. <sighs> so, Crowley makes sort of like a like a pleading gesture, and she goes, How long have we been friends? 6,000 years. <sighs> <laughs>
0: from the very beginning I just... Crowley thinks they've been friends from the very fucking Since beginning
1: Eden she slithered here from Eden just to hide outside his door and also to go inside his door and drink wine with him and be his best friend forever and ever oh god it's so 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 sick Aziraphale rejects this by, like, an obvious lie, and, like, it's even obvious to Crowley that it's a lie, where he goes, friends? We're not friends. We are an an angel and a demon. We have nothing whatsoever in common. I don't even like you. And Crowley goes, you do. Like, man... What is going on in here?
0: I don't even I... like you. It's truly a line to say this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Like He's like, just like flopping about for the most like Purell like insult that he can like come up with. Like he's uninviting Crowley from his birthday party. Yeah, literally. Like, I don't even like you. We're not friends
0: anymore. <laughs> like a fucking 8 year old like okay
1: but like still just to say it is still like it's still something it's definitely still something but I I'm glad that Crowley like is not affected by this obvious lie at all like I'm glad that Crowley has sort of this whole time been the one who has trust in their friendship yeah Like, what with never suspecting Zierphil lied to them and, like, calling him his friend. Also, I like that it's like, we are not
0: the same. And then the follow-up is, I don't even like you. As if, like, like, we are not the same can be saved by, well, but you like me. But like, no, I don't even like you. It's so childish, but like, I get what's going on in his head when he is, I think, trying to convince Crowley and himself that this is how he feels. It's like, in his head, it's like, we are friends we're not friends and he's like why are we not friends because we're an angel and a demon we have nothing in common but you like him i don't even like you like you know? <laughs> like i can very clearly see the thought process behind yeah it. um like this fucking barrage yeah. of um comments
1: he's just like desperately trying to burn this bridge yeah. in like the clumsiest way possible And, like, he can't even do it because, like, he's already, like, soaked everything that he's trying to light on fire with, like, the water of how much they are definitely friends who like each other. Also, just the word friend in Good Omens in general, like, is so something... Because the thing is, I feel like we didn't even think about it. In episode two, like, Aziraphale on the phone calls Crowley his friend, but specifically... He goes, like, it's to lie. Like, he goes, like, oh, I mean, like, we're friends. Of course, if there's anything I would tell you as he, like, goes back to perusing Agnes Nutter. And then he wouldn't call Crowley his friend, like, in 1601. So it's just, I don't know, the way that he, like, they both know it's true. But, like, Aziraphale will just, like, add and subtract the label whenever, like... It's the most, like, easy for him. What a guy. What a guy. They're all crazy. I'm crazy. Everyone's crazy. Finally, Aziraphale's like, Also, even if I did know where the Antichrist was, I wouldn't tell you. We're on on opposite opposite sides. sides. And Crowley goes, We're on our side. And then Aziraphale says, There isn't an our our side, Crowley. Not Not anymore. It's over. This is so, so... Where, like, the rejection includes the acknowledgement that something was there at all. Yeah. You know? Like, you can't
0: reject something that wasn't being offered. Like... Yeah. ah.
1: Yeah. The script book says Crowley takes a deep breath as if he's going to keep talking. And then he lets it all go. Oh, it's so sad. I'm so and sad. I, I
0: lo- like Curly has, you know, the way he says things. He really does like make a bunch of noises and goes like, oh, you uh, know, yes. I, I like here he goes like, right well then, and then he like stays there and goes, goes like, uh. yeah. <laughs> like he literally just goes uh, and I love it so much, and uh, he starts walking yeah, away.
1: he's so clipped on right and well then, it's like clearly like, he has to like, rein himself back at the end of each syllable or else he'll like, fucking cry or something, or it feels like there's something stuck in her throat it's very, like ugh God, like, thank God they have their sunglasses on, because, like, Jesus fucking Christ. Well, maybe if they didn't have their sunglasses on and Aziraphale could see their big, wet, sad, yellow eyes all the time, this wouldn't have even happened. Have we considered that? So, the first time I watched this scene, I was so confused about Aziraphale's behavior that I went back and rewatched. Episodes one, two, and then three—just like for like an Aziraphale centered rewatch, just to try to see if I could understand anything. I think it helped a little bit, but I don't know. Gray, do you feel like you understand what Aziraphale's on about now? Well, I think personally
0: that, as Willwood has said. I've made more mistakes than simple empty moments and each one is out of character as you know I tend to be. I think maybe you this know know is just... yeah. When you're in this much distress, the yeah. decisions you made that are wrong are tend to be so removed from how you would usually act. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. By him, yeah. I mean Neil Gaiman in characterizing a fail. <laughs> Uh Well, we go to the last scene of this episode, which is um, a while ago, we actually see Adam like reading the magazines, right? And he is talking to his dad about them, but his dad is very dismissive and he gets quite upset that he's not being taken seriously. So he heads to bed early.
1: There's like, like scary music, like, oh no, what's happening? Music. That starts specifically when he says the line about how, like, oh, there's, like, Tibetans and tunnels, and they're spying on everything we do, and his parents suddenly look, like, very concerned, and then he goes to bed. And it, like, they never follow through on this, but it does really feel like a, oh, no, is our, like, 11-year-old son going white supremacist mode on YouTube already? Well, that is,
0: like, that is pretty much the vibe, right? It's like, yeah. This kid is being white supremacized. Which sure is a way to do it. Anyway, um, the last magazine he puts down before he goes to actual sleep is the is one that's about nuclear power. Um, as he goes to sleep, there's very, very ominous music and whispering and all that. And um, we go to a nuclear power plant and we find that the nuclear reactor there has stopped working, but the plant is still producing the same amount of power. And, you know, there's like bureaucracy, blah, 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 but they eventually open the chamber. And when they do, the nuclear reactor is just not there. And it has been replaced by a lemon drop.
1: Yeah, I will say that on the bureaucracy chain did you notice the that's well relevant? i mean yeah there's what
0: that's going to be relevant or
1: oh no it's not going to be relevant i just have a comment about the scene where the minister is on the phone and there's a male mm-hmm. sex worker next to him oh yeah yeah um i mean i don't really know what my comment is i think it's just that Okay, I mean, okay, like, what happens is, like, the people in the nuclear reactor, they're calling up the chain of command for permission to open it up, and it goes to, like, a minister, and he's shirtless in bed, and he's like, like, you're calling me now, etc., etc., and there is a male sex worker in bed next to him who's sort of, like, tapping his watch with the, like, hurry up, I'm on the clock sort of thing, Um, and it is confirmed that this is a sex worker in the script. And, okay, like, this is supposed to be, like, a funny scene. And I don't think the fact that it's a male sex worker and not, like, a female sex worker or whatever is part of the humor. I think the reasoning was probably just, like, well, we want, like, someone caught in, like, an awkward position and, like... Doing, like, a female sex worker is, like, tired. Like, everyone's done it already, so let's just switch it up. But, mm. like, I, I do wish that there were more that there were more queer humans in season one. Or that there were just more people around who were styled the way that this man is. Because, like, he has a very distinctive, like, look with, like, makeup and hair and, like, cheekbones and things like that. That like, I I don't know what my point is. I just wish there were more gay people on the show, and that people on the show looked like differently, rather than just like this one person who like is there to be like at, like a capital letters a gay person. Mm-hmm. And I don't okay. Like Zirbel and Crowley are canonically queer by this point, and Neil Gaiman was sort of using that label for them a bit after 2019 as well. But I don't know. It's still, it's still a thing to me. Okay. And then yeah, we end on like Adam asleep, and the voices whispering to him are going, "Mend it all, end it all, end it all." Yeah. What did we think about this episode? It's fine.
0: (laughs) Understatement. (laughs) I mean... I don't... Well, obviously, it made me crazy insane. This is for Mm -hmm. a fact. But Mm -hmm. many scenes in it... I I mean, mostly, like, the latter half of the episode. I'm like... Mm -hmm. What is going on? Like... But I don't know. Maybe it will be answered the, the further we get into the story. But I am curi- very curious about what's going to happen next.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also thought, like, first half of this episode, best thing that's ever happened to television. Second half was moving. Had some fun parts. Some of it quite confusing. So, okay. in our In our wrap-up. First... Gayest moment, Gray?
0: I don't even fucking know. Probably the <laughs> tavern scene. I mean, like, if we're talking, like, I don't, I don't know. Probably, like, the Disney princess falling in love music scene, right?
1: Yeah, that was, that well, was quite maybe, a bit. That was truly pre- is. disney princess falling in love of him. He literally
0: do. was Disney princess falling in love. Do you have another?
1: I mean, if we're just like like gayest moment that resonated with me the most, I think it's the moment that um cre- that like inspired both of our anecdotes. Whereas Phil oh, yeah. says that Crowley isn't even his friend, he's never even met him. But I don't think that's the gayest moment in my in my heart. I think the gayest moment in my heart is Oh my god. It's Shadow and Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't! Ew, god. I'm sorry for ever saying that to you. Um, I was
0: very confused when you did.
1: Yeah, I did notice that you didn't respond to it at all, and I was like, that's fair. <laughs> I think that Crowley asking Aziraphale, like, hey, like, can I drop you anywhere? Anywhere you like was one of the most vulnerable Crowley-being-in-love moments in the flashbacks. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: yeah, he's just... Aziraphale surprised him, and, like, he doesn't know how to be her usual cool self. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Transist moment.
0: I mean, Anthony J.
1: Crowley. Yeah, Anthony J.
0: Crowley. Fundamentally, as a person...
1: Yeah. Sorry. I have nothing to say. I'm just staring off into the distance thinking about them. I mean, I... For the... Like, I learned how to change your Discord um status for the first time yeah, ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that I could make it the dialogue. Like, Antony, you don't like it? No, no, I didn't say that. I'll get used to it. Like... This is the first time I've ever changed my Discord status, and it is for that, so. Okay, Gray, hit me with your predictions.
0: Okay, so, my predictions are, with the emphasis of the not-killing-Adam, not killing kids situation, I think it's either going to culminate to Azuraphale being just like heaven and like giving in to like killing Adam and like not by killing I mean like I don't think this kid's gonna die but like at least like doing something to act on it Mm. and I don't think it will be like a like Dean Winchester pointing a gun at Jack and not shooting situation I think it will be Sam Winchester Pointing that gun at me and shooting, but the gun is empty situation. You know what I mean? Like, I think he will do it, but, like, it's not gonna kill the kid. Okay. Or, it it may be, like, Crowley kills the kid and... I mean, again, the kill, you know. And it's, like, you know, it's, like, a big deal given that he vehemently disagrees with the idea. I think the second one is less likely because Mm -hmm. the show is very much trying to be like, but Crowley's good! You know? And like killing a yeah. kid is is like gonna throw that off course. So I'm more leaning into Aziraphale will try to kill this kid I think. Okay. And my second prediction is I'm just going to read it. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. maybe they'd meet in the me- middle eventually and like leave their alliances and be their own team. But also, still attempt to stop the apocalypse. So it's not like they're going to run off together, but they're also going to stay here and do something.
1: Mm.
0: And they're going to be together about it. And like, because I think like Azurfil needs to understand that they are the theme and yeah. they are the ones who want the same thing. And Crowley, upon learning about this change, will be like, yeah, okay. But also, Maybe not. And if maybe not, I think what would happen is Aziraphale just, like, wouldn't get that, like, this is the thing to do. And in that case, I don't really know how it would go. I have no idea. Like, maybe Crowley would stay and help anyway. Because this situation is really a matter of, like, unstoppable force versus immovable object. I think between them, Aziraphale will be an immovable object and so Crowley eventually will have to do the stopping those are my predictions
1: nice were any of your predictions last episode did any of them come up
0: um so my predictions at the time were about Anathema like harming Adam and then like Aziraphale and Crowley trying to save this boy but like Actually, I think it's gonna be the other way around. Like, I think Anathema would take care of this kid. And I talked about, like, Anathema and Newton falling in love. Hasn't happened yet. I bet it will. Um, And then, like, I don't know. I I said that, like, I think Adam wouldn't actually do anything. But, like, Mm -hmm. the apocalypse will still happen, but he won't do anything. Which I think has been disproven. Like, maybe he wouldn't do anything, like, do anything but things are happening directly because yeah. of him. So it's true. mm-hmm. Well, rating well, let's rate this episode.
1: First half, ten out of ten. Second half seven, eight,
0: seven, maybe seven. The second half is just so short and so empty of anything thats the happens. same
1: length as the first half. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's all elves you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I,
0: I I would count them as separate episodes I think the first half is a 10 out of 10 easily
1: mm-hmm.
0: like go higher than 10 kind of rating you know mm-hmm. But the second half maybe a 7
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just, it's not that interesting, and the things that are interesting are interesting in that they are very confusing. Hmm. But they're still interesting, though, so.
1: Yeah, they are still interesting. I guess that would average to me as, like, either an 8 or a 9, and I think I'm willing to bump it up to a 9, just because the first half is the most important thing that's ever happened, so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that is it for this week's episode, second episode, this week's second episode of Rubbish and Probably a Podcast. Next week, we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 4, Saturday Morning Fun Time. (laughs) Leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Follow us on social media. We interact through the account set up for our Supernatural Commentary Podcast, Busty Asian Beauty. So catch us on Tumblr at bustyasianbeautyspod.tumblr.com. And email us at bustyasianbeautyspod at gmail.com.
1: Thanks to everyone who's donated to our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash Pod. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.
0: yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) he's being i forgot the word
1: but you know they're setting him apart ostracized or what do you mean like they're being extra surveilly over him or i forgot the word (laughs) oh good so so sad yeah, so sad. Think... So fucking sad. Also, um, I think.
0: Ugh, fuck, I'm so sleepy. I'm forgetting everything. Oh <laughs> no. Um,
1: I I was gonna say something that I thought was very poignant. <laughs> Should I re-say all the things I said so that like you can recreate the thought? structure that you have what was
0: what was the beginning of the sentence of your thing
1: uh well try to fit it into the bandstand uh he comes in uh the angels have never explicitly said that they don't want the war it's just been heavily implied ah, that, okay like, but how did you feel are you there hello hello hello
0: oh hi where were you hi i'm falling asleep oh oh my god sorry oh
1: how long is it um not a lot like five minutes like not a lot
0: okay that's a lot though